It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Utah has been a trailblazer in many ways throughout history, including when it comes to women's rights and the women's vote. This Wednesday marks the 125th anniversary of women's first election to public office on November 3rd, 1896. Fourteen women were elected in Utah, including, of course, Dr. Martha Hughes Cannon, the nation's first female state senator. Here to talk about the historic day and how we can increase women's political engagement is Dr. Susan Madsen. She's the founder and director of the Utah Women and Leadership Project and the inaugural Karen Haight Huntsman Endowed Professor of Leadership at Utah State University. Susan, thanks for joining us today. It's great to be here. This is a uh, this is a, a great anniversary, of course, coming up, and, and we will look back for a moment, but we're also going to cause you to look ahead because we want to talk about what's coming up next and, and how we continue to, to build on that great legacy. So as you look back uh, to 1896, uh, that was a uh, an important day, but where have we gone since then? Well, it's important to, to really do look back on history, and I know Better Days 2020 has done a, a great job because we had many anniversaries in 2020 that celebrated suffrage and the right to vote and those things. Um, and so I love these anniversaries, especially I love hearing about Martha Hughes Cannon. But as we look ahead, so we have such an amazing history of women, really women's rights in those years in the 1800s and early 1900s. But we know that generally around the United States, things really decreased in terms of women's voice and women's involvement in politics in the 40s, 50s, 60s. And and some states really started coming back in the 70s and 80s. And in Utah, we really saw saw an, we've seen an interesting history. And we've actually bluntly really struggled in many ways in more recent decades with with even keeping up with other states um, in terms of even voting in some ways, let alone women for running for office. Yeah, and, it, and it's such an, a vital message that uh, we need to have everyone, everyone needs a seat at the table and a voice, and that voice needs to be heard. Uh, and, and it really is that extension of not just having uh, women as one example at the table to talk about women's issue, but to talk about all the issues, just the same way we would want uh, someone from the Hispanic community to be at the table with a voice, not just to discuss Hispanic issues, but all the issues. Uh, and that is part of what really has to change and has to continue to improve as we move forward. And, and you know, you bring up such an important point. And one of the keys is that it, it really isn't just, quote, the right thing to do to have our, you know, communities and what gender and race represented. The research is absolutely clear that it changes things when you have women at the table. It just changes things. And that means that that women, this may be a shock to you, but women and men are different in many ways. <laughs> um, and um, And one thing is our experiences. Yeah. And when women are not at the table, certain issues and topics that are really central to the state of Utah are not represented, are not discussed. In fact, 
the research is clear that in Utah, in fact, the Utah Foundation reported recently that women really, their top couple of issues continue to be, one, priority issues, mm-hmm. K-12 through education, two, health care. And generally, the national research continues to tell us that states with more women in their legislative bodies absolutely allot funding differently and put more towards education, health care, and the third main is really um, social issues like yeah. poverty and support systems for for people who have been sexually assaulted and domestic yeah. violence and those things. When states with less women actually just give funding less to those things that are really important to so many Utahns and so many people. Yeah, so, so important. And as a guy with seven sisters, a mother, a wife, three daughters, yeah. and now two granddaughters, uh, I, do oh. know, I do know there are differences. <laughs> and those differences <laughs> okay. are important. They, they do impact uh, all of that in such a significant way. I had, I had one uh, leader in my life who, who shared something with me that was just so spot on. Uh, she, and she said, and she's led organizations around the world, uh, said, you know, the worst decisions are always made when either the room is just filled with men or yeah. just filled with women. Uh, he said, if you don't, if you don't recognize the differences and value those differences, like you were saying, uh, then we really miss it. And uh, Professor, I want to get to one uh, thing that I've been dying to ask you uh, as you look at your work uh, as it relates to women in leadership. Uh, we're we're going to do a an interview later on today. Uh, with a book focused on the life of Cokie Roberts, uh, who, of course, was mm-hmm. a great trailblazer, a great pioneer uh, in journalism. Uh, as a female, she broke through a lot of glass ceilings along the way. But one of the things that most people don't recognize about Cokie Roberts was she not only you know blazed the trail, she also left a trail. She was so involved mm-hmm. in mentoring and, and coaching and helping those coming behind. And so I wanted to get your perspective from your research and all that you've done uh, with Utah Women in Leadership Project, that role of mentorship of women mentoring women and men mentoring women, uh, that that's part of what we have to have if we're going to really continue this dialogue and keep this moving forward. Absolutely. You bring up such an important point. And I love that you said men or women mentoring women and men also, because both of those are important. However, we do know that women mentors and what, what are called sponsors are just critical because girls and young women and, and women, if they don't see, you can't be what you can't see, right? Yeah. You don't see that. And, and women, we struggle with different things a little bit in terms of work life and family and those kinds of things. So if you don't see a woman actually doing that and women that are not helping other women, then you really don't progress. But what we do know is and I will tell you because I know most of the legislators and most of the many of the politicians that are female in the state, almost all, not all though, but almost all are just women who lift other women. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just a couple of exceptions, and I won't tell you who, but there's a couple of exceptions. <laughs> there's always exceptions, yeah. <laughs> However, what I love is I think we're moving in a direction that women understand how important this is yeah. to really not just trailblaze themselves, but lift and provide opportunities for other women and be examples to even young girls, let alone, you know, older elementary school or junior high or high school or college. And then I love that you brought up 
men because male allies and by the way what's important to know is you can't as a man say you're a male ally that's something that's gifted to you <laughs> by women sometimes men say that and it's like oh they don't get you don't it. get to say but, yeah uh, <laughs> our, our rule is if you have to declare it you're not it so yeah just, you're not just that's wait. exactly right <laughs> but i have seen even in the last two years um a shift to where it's not either or, it's not yes. like the zero-sum mentality where men think, well, wait, if I lift women, then it's going to take from me. That scarcity mentality. Yeah. I think you still see that out there, but there's more and more men that 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 don't have to go there. You know, yeah. it, it, we as people can lift other people and it doesn't need to take from us. So I'm seeing those trends more and more men, men of color, but white men, too. And we have a lot of white men in power in the state of Utah who just say, you know what, this is important to really have everyone in the state represented so that we can do the best things for Utah residents. Yeah, fantastic. Susan Madsen, she's the founder and director of the Utah Women in Leadership Project and the inaugural Karen Haight Huntsman Endowed Professor of Leadership at Utah State University. As we look at this uh, very important uh, celebration, uh, looking back to November 1896, uh, a great election. Uh, Dr. Martha Hughes Cannon, of course, becoming the nation's first female state senator. But it's not enough to look back and celebrate. Uh, we have to emulate and we have to keep it moving forward. Uh, Susan Madsen, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Uh, we're going to step aside for bottom of the hour news. President Joe Biden is giving a press conference before he leaves Glasgow, Scotland. Wrapping up his participation in the Climate Summit. We'll break down what that is, what that means, what's playing out with Senator Joe Manchin, what's happening in Virginia. Much more to come on Inside Sources right here on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.